Welcome out to the Bulls and the Bears. This is Aaron Warby, and I am joined by nobody today. <laughs> All right, Terina's sick. Justin would, uh, couldn't make it to record uh, today, and I just didn't have anybody else I could pull in um, this late in the game. So I hope that it all goes well, but I'm flying solo today. Fortunately, I've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. All right. So, um, you know, I want to get to it. But uh, before I do, I just want to let you know, um, you know, if you if this is the first time on uh, this Bulls and Bears show, then you're listening to um, Aaron Warby and I'm part of Online Trading Academy, which is, um, you know, the most trusted name in financial education. We've been around for well, going on 26 years now. Um, and we teach, we teach trading and investing. So whether it's your long-term, um, you know, wealth that we're talking about, your retirement, or whether you're trying to trade for income, yeah, we teach that. All right. And, and I, talk, I try and talk about all of it. Uh, one of the subjects that I want to approach first, okay, is that there's been an awful lot of news lately, and I've been surprised at what the news is focused on, all right, because the news is focused on uh, this, uh, you know, the, the slide that we've seen here in September. And, and by the way, if you've been listening to this program, this uh, podcast for any amount of time, this should not have been a- at all a surprise, all right, I've been talking about September being a rough month, what, uh, well, since July, but, um, you know, the, since we started, since we peaked in July and started on our way down, I said, hey, watch out for September. And so it really hasn't been much of a disappointment if you knew that it was coming. All right. Now, I say that it hasn't been much of a disappointment if you knew that it was coming. But, of course, it's always a disappointment if you aren't positioned right in the markets. And what that means is, is that whether the market is going up or down, uh, at least the general market, there's always something that is is going up if you know how to work it, if you know you know where to go. Now, typically, we would think of that as, you know, when, when stocks go down, bonds go up. That hasn't been the case, and nor did I expect that. So if you've been listening, at least you, you understood that, all right? Um, so what the news has been focusing on during this downtrend has been you know, the Federal Reserve, because the Federal Reserve has been, well, not quite accommodating to the markets, at least that's what the markets say. You know, I really disagree with that assessment, because, um, because the I, I know that the news is concentrating, and it surprised me, because I'm going to talk about what they should have been concentrating, at least in my opinion, they should have given uh, a lot more attention to this in the financial news, but I haven't heard a peep about the government shutdown that, you know, everybody knew was coming. All right. But uh, they did give a lot of attention to, um, to the Federal Reserve. Now, the crazy part about that is, in my opinion, is that Jerome Powell, uh, the Federal Reserve, um, I don't know, board head, you know, chairman, has been very transparent the whole time about what he's doing, what he expects and things like that. So they had this meeting and, um, and everybody acted all shocked and shaken, which flabbergasted me because he didn't say anything there. They didn't raise rates, but he didn't say anything there that he hasn't already said many times before. Somehow it's like the news cycle just barely caught on that he was serious. You know, everybody thought he was joking. Well, you know, everybody, 
Everybody thought he was joking. Now they think he's serious. Everybody except one of the J.P. Morgan analysts, which I'll be talking about a little bit later. All right. Um, and, and now they, they kind of think he's serious, at least the news cycle. But to anybody that's been, you know, keeping their, their ear to the ground, there was, this was a non-event. This, the news was absolutely not. It, it was anything but astounding. All right. Uh, Powell has been very clear about what he wants to see. But anyway, um, there was a news article that talked about how astounding everything was. And I just wanted to, uh, to go over just a couple, of, um, a couple of points in this. All right. So this was, um, this was something that uh, was in Yahoo News. And it, it said, well, the Yahoo Finance News anyway. And, and the article was titled, The Fed Looks Past Its Preferred Inflation Gauge. Okay, and what they were saying is, is that the preferred inflation gauge seems to say that, uh, that things are, are, are getting better, but the Fed isn't buying it. Uh, okay, so l- let me read just a couple of lines in this article, and we'll see if we can make sense of it, okay? It, it says, not until uh, 2026 will inflation, it, well, and this is a quote from, from uh, Jerome Powell, by the way. Not until 2026 will inflation fall to the sweet spot of 2%, according to their latest projections. All right. The forecasts have now spooked the market and cemented the idea that higher rates will stick around for longer. All right. Well, again, Powell has said we don't see what we want to see. Um, infl- or not inflation, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, the, the jobs market is still really tight. And that's why, you know, him saying that the jobs market is really tight should be kind of a no-brainer because you you don't have people walking off of the job and protesting, you know, not working. And we've seen a lot of that in the news lately. If the job market wasn't very tight, if anybody could replace those people, they wouldn't have done it. But they all walked off the job pressing for higher, uh, you know, higher wages. And I'm talking about the Teamsters, like with... Uh, UPS, and I'm talking about the Actors Guild and and uh, what is it UAW the uh, the automotive workers. Yeah, all of them walked off the job, and they were all uh, looking for higher wages, and and that just is not what the Fed wants to see because higher wages always turns into tomorrow's inflation. Okay, so the idea that um, that there was any shock at all that the Fed wasn't you know, the Fed's latest projections were was that uh, that the two percent wouldn't be reached for a little bit longer. It seems preposterous, at least to somebody that's had a couple of classes in economy. Anybody that's had a couple of classes in economy. All right. Um, Want to read this next one? Uh, Chair Powell uh, asked, "Is the heat that we see in GDP, the gross domestic product?" Is it really a threat to our ability to get back to 2% inflation? Well, that's kind of an ongoing question. And that, that's what he said. And so, you know, when he's looking at that, um, that GDP, kind of what he's saying here is uh, we wanted to see the GDP get lower. In fact, a little bit later, uh, the Fed has, you know, in the Fed's projections, you'll see that they have revised their GDP projections higher and that isn't making Powell very happy, um, you know, with, with the progress that they've made. And he's commented several times that he would have expected to see more of an impact for, you know, what he's done with the rate hikes. And therefore, he has to stay the course for longer in his estimation. 
And that that wasn't something that he said during this last meeting. It's something that he's been saying uh, since the beginning of 2023. Okay. Um, in fact, here's what uh, here's what the report said. The economy's refusal to slow down even after getting whacked. Now, <laughs> this is this is a translation of what the report was saying, right? <laughs> even by uh, even after getting whacked in the face by hike after hike means that more needs to be done to achieve the same level of inflation that we used to have in the years ahead. Okay, so then we look at uh, the projected numbers for from the Fed. The GDP projections are higher for the year. It was one percent. Now it's two point one percent. And even next year, when the officials forecast growth to slow substantially, the latest outlook is still higher than they wanted to see it. It's rising to 1.5 from 1.1. And so, you know, all of this should tell you what the Fed is going to be looking at in, in the future and saying, hey, you know, what what uh, Fed Chair Powell here is saying, well, he's probably going to stick to it because because the economy you know, isn't slowing down. He needs the slowdown in order to control inflation. It's just not happening. So, you know, let's not, let's not think that, um, that things are going to be uh, turning around. All right. Anyway, um, one other thing that I wanted to read because he called, <laughs> it was kind of funny. Um, where is it? Uh, no, he called the economy, said that it was on a sugar high. Um, and, uh, and he expected it to come down with time. Now, what he was probably looking at is that he would have never expected that when, uh, inflation got as high as it was. And when, you know, if you look at the wage growth, it isn't as high as inflation, which is why we're seeing all of the protests and, and, uh, and the strikes and things like that. Okay. Um, but because wage hasn't been matching it, um, you know, he's considered that a good thing until recently when all of a sudden wages are creeping up because of these protests. Uh, that's going to keep inflation higher for longer. But in order to control inflation, he needs to see, uh, he needs to see the economy down. He needs to see the jobs market, um, you know, more unemployment so that people can have to stop asking for uh, wage increases. Um, and he's just not seeing it. So, so, you know, what he has seen, though, is that even though we haven't seen the wage growth that would have justified the continued spend that um, the average American has, has had, you know, what, what we have seen is the credit card sugar that's been sprinkled over the economy. So credit card uh, debt has been growing. He's expecting that sugar high to stop, meaning that if you've ever had a kid and you've put them on sugar... First, they go up really high and then they crash down, but it, it's crash almost all at once. So he's expecting the credit to run out. And that's kind of what he's talking about. Okay. Now, that's something that we've talked about on this show uh, several times uh, before as well. At any rate, all of this is coming to a head in October. All right. Now, I've been talking about this for some time and I've been absolutely flabbergasted that they have been concentrating on the Fed because the Fed you know, like I, like we just read all of that, that's nothing new uh, on this show. If you go back to uh, January, February timeframe, you know, this last year, you'll see that I was talking about the exact same thing. Here's what the Fed needs to see. Here's what they're not seeing. Uh, they're worried about wage growth. They're worried about this. They need to see. In fact, yeah, I was ta- I've been talking about this for 18 months. No, I take that back. 
13 months. 13 months I've been talking about this. This is what the Fed needs to see. They're not seeing it. So don't expect the rates to go down. They're going to keep going up while they don't see these things. So there shouldn't have been any any shock to the media about it. Um, and I don't think, well, to the media, you know, maybe it was a shock. I don't know. Um, to the economists, I don't think that there's been any shock. Uh, to the sophisticated, I'm going to call them sophisticated, to the intelligent, educated investor, that shouldn't have been a shock. That should have been a non-event. Okay. All right. However, this other thing that I'm going to talk about, this is what I think is really driving the downturn that we've seen in September. So back in in, uh, July, when Moody's downgraded U.S. debt, all right, if you go back to... um, I don't know, to my podcast out of out of the, the last one in July or the first one in August. I can't remember uh, when it was actually published. Okay, uh, we talked about uh, Moody's downgrading uh, the U.S. government debt because Moody, in, Moody's ex- expect, uh, in Moody's estimation, their analysis said that it was likely that in the near future there was going to be a government shutdown. And when the government shutdown came, then it was likely that the government was going to do one of two things, either start defaulting on payments. And by the way, October 1st is when they have to start, you know, um, telling people not to come into work and all of the things that goes along with a government shutdown. Now, Moody's, just like me, is expecting that the government will, um, you know, have some, I don't know, maybe even in this case, not uh, 12th hour, or 11th hour, say, but maybe a 13th hour, they'll probably let it go into shutdown because they want to negotiate, or at least a large sector of uh, party members in Congress want to uh, start pushing down government spending. All right. And so there's going to have to be a compromise in government spending. All right. Well, that's kind of good because, you know, we can't afford the government spending that we have right now. We don't uh, bring in enough in taxes. And so we've been going into debt for years. And that's why we look at government shutdown, because, you know, if the government had enough money from the taxes that they collect, then there would be no need to increase the debt ceiling. But all of these shutdowns have been increasing the debt ceiling, which means that they have to go to the Federal Reserve and say, please print us more money we are going to issue more government debt, more government uh, treasury notes that have now been downgraded, by the way. All right. We're going to issue more of those. And and you go ahead and give us the cash for it and we'll keep our operations up. So, you know, the U.S. continuing to print more money, print more money, print more money also leads to higher inflation. And, you know, this is bad news for Jerome Powell, who's trying to control inflation. Um, but they're going to start, uh, you know, trying to negotiate for less government spending. You could think of that as good news, and it probably is, but at least in the short term, what that means is, is that the current government contracts, um, you know, what they do right now, I doubt that they're going to lay off government workers overall, but what they are going to do is stop some of the government projects. And that means that U.S. companies that service the U.S. government are probably going to feel the hit. All right. In their, in their bottom line, they're not going to be as profitable. Um, and so with being not as profitable, if, you know, if those cuts actually do occur, then that is going to lead to lower stock prices for those companies that service government contracts. Um, and so, you know, uh, when the, back in July, when the, um, when Moody's downgraded, I 
I told everybody that the last time Moody's downgraded uh, the U.S. debt, the stock market fell by 7%. Well, from, uh, you know, July's, July's highs until, until now, we're down 7%. No shock. But somehow, even though we're looking at imminent government shutdown, and, you know, it's very apparent, I think, to the economists out there, that uh, why the government shut down, or why the, I'm sorry, why this, the market has been falling, and it was because of the Moody's downgrade, right? Things like that. Um, somehow this is still taking everybody by surprise, or at least the news by surprise, you know? And it's almost as if it's taking them by surprise, you know, in the same, and, and it's shocking to me. It's like all of a sudden it's summer and they're saying, whoa, it's hot out here. You know, what in the world happened? Well, guys, it's summer, you know. Uh, so it, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I hope it makes sense to somebody. Now, this uh, government shutdown uh, coming in October is kind of, it, well, it, it's ill-timed, um, you know, when it comes down to it, because we're already up against other things that are going to be tough in October. So like I talked about last week, we have student debt that is being turned back on as of October 1st, okay? Um, we're at the, you know, we've already had a down market. We've got uh, credit card limits that are being reached, according to the reports. All of this is coming together right here in October. Now, generally speaking, October is typically a good month, and November is typically a good month, and then we've got the Santa Claus rally in December, but that certainly wasn't true in 2008, all right, so let's talk about, uh, you know, some of the past bear markets and the, and the kicking off point. All right, so in uh, 2000, March uh, 13th of 2000, news that Japan once again entered a recession triggered a global sell-off that disproportionately affected the technology stocks because a lot of that technology was, you know, Japan-based, um, at least at the time for anybody old enough to remember that. <laughs> All right. And then that's back when we were thinking that, you know, that flat screen TVs were the latest. I mean, really, these were itty bitty flat screen TVs even back then. But they were the new thing. Um, and Japan was making them, right? Okay, so th that was the 2000 to 2003. That, that's what kicked off the dot-com bubble burst. Or at least that's what's blamed for it. In 2008, it was Lehman Brothers collapse. All right. Okay, well, the market actually peaked in 2007. There were signs of trouble, and so they, the smart money had been getting out. So if you look at the charts, 2007, the end of 2007, I think it was December, actually is when the market peaked, and it was going down. Lehman Brothers didn't fail until, until September of, uh, you know, of 2008, and that's when it went down in earnest. All right, but the smart money is always getting out well before that. Um, which should make everybody nervous because Warren Buffett's sitting on $135 billion in cash. Ray Dalio is saying that cash right now is king, and that's a reverse on what he was saying 18 months ago where he was saying cash is trash, right? Um, but now uh, he's holding cash, and I'll, uh, I'll talk about that in a second, you know, again. All right, March of 2020, the announcements of the first uh, lockdowns kicked off a bear market. January of 2022, Russian invasion of Ukraine kicked off a bear market, or at least that's what's blamed. Um, you know, things were already bad. Uh, Warren Buffett was already getting out of the market. 
Um, if anybody was listening, it was December of 2021. I was telling everybody, um, you know, that it was going to go down. And that was before I had ever heard of of uh, troops building up on, on the Ukrainian borders. So I, I don't think that that was it. It was just the kickoff. It's what's being blamed as the kickoff. Okay, and then here we are in August 2023. All right, which may be, you know, if we go into another bear market, then it's going, you know, the blame is going to be on the U.S. Uh, credit downgrade. Now, there should have been several things before that that kicked off a bear market because really companies aren't in good shape right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, economists are just flabbergasted that that we're still up. Uh, you know, I mean, sugar high is what they're talking about, right? Uh, and so, you know, th- there's there's been things that don't make any sense, um, and uh, and so it it might be blamed, but I kind of doubt that that's what is going to be responsible for the bear market. It, well, at least not from a fundamental standpoint. All right. But from another standpoint, um, bear markets come when people sell. And that's really just what it comes down to. And so until the average person gets nervous, until the average person starts pulling their money, you're not really going to have a bear market. Things could be absolutely horrible. We, we could be have in the middle of a Great Depression, but if nobody sells in the stock market, if nobody sells you know, what they've got, we don't have a massive sell-off. Uh, then then stock prices stay up or stay where they are. And that's just how it goes. So is this going to be the thing that kicks it off? Well, I don't know. Like I said, there should have been other things that kicked it off. Um, it, you know, it, it, it could have been that SVB fell and then First Republic. And did you know that there's been enough bank failures uh, this year alone? This year alone, the the bank failures were SVB was bigger than Lehman Brothers, by the way, but um, at least in terms of of cash and and what had to go into sa- saving it and things like that. Uh, but there have been more bank failures to a larger degree in terms of cash that needed to be covered, the insurance that needed to be used, than 2008 to 2011, and that's just in one year. But it was largely ignored by the public, um, probably because you know nobody made a big deal out of it. Um, and so nobody sold off and, you know, that, that's just all there is to it. Okay. Uh, so August, 2023, is that going to be blamed for it? Or maybe in October when student debt comes back and, you know, uh, some of what we've seen in our sugar high, you know, can be attributed to spending and especially by the millennials. If you look at the numbers, the millennials, um, you know, have the largest credit card debt. So they're, they've been continuing to spend, even though, even though their, their wallet says that they should slow down. All right. Uh, they've been continuing to spend. And if you're looking at the reports, though, their spending limits are, you know, their credit card limits are coming up at the same time as the student debt is being reinstated. And so you've got two things converging here at once, all at once. You've got millennials that have to now pay back student debt, and they've got to get money from somewhere, but they're already up against the wall because they've been using their credit card to support their lifestyle and keeping money flowing into the economy, even if it is borrowed money. Um, and now you've got to ask, where are they going to get the money? Well, if they have to turn to what they've been plugging into 
you know, into stocks through Robinhood and Webull and and places like that, you know, uh, throwing money at the markets, then that could kick off a sell-off. It could. Now, I'm not trying to prognosticate, you know, prognosticate that's what's going on. Um, here in the industry, we say that, you know, uh, anybody that's trying to crystal ball the future is going to end up eating a lot of glass. Um, and I think that's absolutely true, but I don't think that you need to try and prognosticate the future. You just need to be aware of what could happen and be prepared for all eventualities. All right. Um, because an individual, unlike, unlike the, um, institutional investors, individuals can use things, use tools like, you know, um, like insurance products, okay? Um, protective puts, these are options that were meant to be able to cover, uh, you know, cover risk of, of the market dropping, which, you know, if you have protective puts, it allows you to keep, to stay in the market and capture uh, new highs, uh, be ready for the new highs, but also be protected. And I say protected because it's called a protective put, meaning that if the market goes down, you're insured to sell off at the, you know, at the price that you got the protective put at. So theoretically, at least, you could be 100% per, um, insured in your portfolio if you knew what you were doing. All right. Um, and by the way, I should mention something else. All right. So we've got the student debt and the credit card limits that are being, uh, that are, I don't know, coming all in, in the same month here in October with the government shutdown pending if they don't come up with something by October 1st. Um, and at the same time in the markets right now, we're seeing something that isn't seen very often. Okay. Usually when stocks go down, we see bonds up and things like that. What we're seeing right now is stocks are down, bonds are down, gold is down, silver is down. Crypto is a little bit down, mostly sideways. All right. Now my guess with crypto is, is that millennials are also the bigger, biggest buyers of crypto. And if they have to liquidate crypto in order to start satisfying credit card debt, uh, student loans, things like that, then we're going to watch crypto you know, trip down to. Okay. Um, now the one thing that has been up is crude, crude oil. This is a little bit scary because in the recessions in the past, if the market is down and, you know, in every recession we've had, we see lower prices in, in the stocks, but higher prices in fuel. And so the fact that uh, fuel has started to go up again at the same time, the market has gone down it might be a little bit of a leading indicator. All right. Again, not prognosticating the future, not, not trying to uh, crystal ball this, just saying that there are things that you might want to look at because it could be, you know, you could look at them and say, well, you know, that might be a canary in the coal mine and whether, you know, whether the oxygen is low or the canary just starved to death, uh, doesn't matter. Um, you know, time to, time to learn how to protect myself. Okay. And and I say that because really, you know, here we are in a bear market and people cringe when they hear bear market or we're facing what could become another bear market, I should say. All right. And people cringe when they hear it. Um, but if you were to do that, you know, just do this, uh, do a Google search and look at anybody that's that's made headlines as an investor. And what you're going to find is the, you know, the really wealthy people, those that have done the best in the markets, all started doing really well during bear markets. Okay. Bear markets are where the general populace becomes poorer 
and the, I don't know, educated few, those that know what they're doing, um, start gaining generational wealth. Uh, so, you know, the, the bear market could be bad, it could be good. The fact that you're listening to this show indicates that you at least want to know more about what's going on. You want to have the kind of uh, knowledge that might give you a little bit of protection um, or a heads up about what's going on. If that's the case, again, we've been around for 26 years. We, we've, as a company, we have seen the dot-com bubble burst. We have seen 2008, all right, and taught through both of those. We have seen uh, March of 2020 and, you know, 2022 bear markets. We've seen all of those, and, um, and we have some expertise as to, as to how to handle them, you know, um, so, you know, give us, I don't know, come in, come in. If you're in the Phoenix area, come into one of my uh, free, you know, in-person uh, trading and investing workshops. It's three hours. It's free. It's great information. Um, had brokers come in before, uh, and I've never had anybody that didn't, I've never had anybody, yeah, that didn't tell me at least. I haven't had any comments online either that it was a waste of time. You know, um, by and large, those that do leave, comments, all of them that I know about anyway, say it was very informative and it was a great class. Um, and, and like I said, that was even those brokers, those that have been around the industry. So, you know, you might think, well, it's free. It's going to be some really high level stuff and true enough, it will be. But we look at the market on a whole and from a view advantage point where most people don't get to see things. Okay. So most of the rhetoric is around letting somebody else manage your money for you, someone like a broker, financial planner. And what they have to do out of necessity is put you into things that institutions will will then um, invest for you. All right. And from an institutional perspective, as in they throw you in with everybody else and they make, you know, long-term slow moves. But that's not what you would do as an individual. So if you want a, a fresh look at the way that the markets look from an individual standpoint, you know, come into one of our three-hour uh, trading and investing workshops. If you're not in the Phoenix area, then you can take it online. If you are in the Phoenix area, in-person is better. You get to ask questions. Um, you're going to get more out of it. But we do have online classes as well. And in either case, you just give us, uh, you just go to your computer and search up www dot tradingacademy.com that's www.tradingacademy.com and uh, there'll be a little uh, I don't know button there that says learn more and it will put you into a class near you or if you're in the Phoenix area it'll put you into a class here in the Phoenix area all right but do that if you want to know a little bit more now if you're serious about trading and investing and you know it's something that you want to do we also have a three-day class it's called the market timing class um, this goes much more in depth than the three hour class. Okay. And we actually get a little bit of hands on, at least in Phoenix, you get some hands on, uh, the online funk folks don't. Um, and I can't speak for other areas. We do have online trading Academy centers throughout the country. Well, throughout the world, actually. Um, but I can't speak for what anybody else is going to do, but at least in Phoenix, you get some hands on. Okay. And so it's a very good class. And if you want to take the next step, you know, you want to trade and invest, you can, you can still come to the free class, but, but, uh, you know, you just give us a call and get registered for our three day trading and investing workshop. 
usually it's $299, right? $100 a day. And we, it's like I said, it's a three-day thing. All right. But if you call in and tell us that you're listening to our podcast, then we will uh, give you the class for 66% off. So you will only pay $99. That's $33 a day for all three days, right? So it's $33 a day for each day, total of $99. But come in. It's a wonderful class. Um, Again, this is one that I've been teaching lately. I teach most of them. Um, But it's good information. And so if you want to take the next step, that's for you. Okay, so if you want to go to the free uh, class, the three-hour class, www.tradingacademy.com. If you want to go to the the three-day class, give us a call. Our number here is area code 480-634-2301. That's 480-634-2301. Anyway, hope to see you in either our three-hour class or our three-day class. And if not, then we'll talk to you next week.